This is episode 72 of the Flux Deposed Podcast. Wow. Worst intro ever. <laughs> but I'm going to go with it. Anyway, not really. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, guys. This is me. It's Jason. That is Lucas. Mr. Lucas Rose, for those unfamiliar, delivering a delicious life of geek culture to you in weekly audio format. On the docket today, we have the Grow Operation. What you playing? The news according to us. Uh, an overclocked remix. Netflixation, which was, if you forgot already, The Imposter, a crime documentary. And yeah, I don't really think there's a community grab bag this week, but you know, it's there in spirit. And you know, we just go with that. We don't promote it, but we love it anyway. It's like the it's like the it's like the stepchild of the, the podcast, you know. If it shows its ugly head, then we'll we'll pay some attention to it, but we're not yeah. gonna go out of our way. Yeah, you don't to... go out of your way to support it or help it out, but if it like screams for something, I guess you attend to its needs. And then you slap it around a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> I already got a preview. This past weekend was Lucas's birthday. Happy belated birthday, sir. Yes. Well, I mean it wasn't it's belated on the show now, but you were actually there and right. wished me a very on-time happy birthday. So, Well, as we are recording this on the 13th. This yes. is true. Exactly. This is true. I just didn't want people to think you were a bad friend. That's I, all. I am a bad friend, though. Oh, okay. Now, <laughs> I I got a preview of this, so I want to get right into this. I need to know more details about the operation. Yes. Okay. So I... I forgot that you wouldn't know, like, I just, I forget sometimes what I tell you and what I don't tell you. And I mean, um, this well, is one of those things that <laughs> this is the worst thing that we should just say to people right now. It's like one of the worst things about doing a podcast with one of your close friends, because you have to, <laughs> if you want to have like a, a legitimate reaction on the air, on the air, be like, purposely can't talk about certain things yeah exactly throughout the week so especially if you plan on putting it on the podcast yeah so so you have to like lock conversation for a later date yes so this actually happened when i was at my mom's on the fourth if you remember me talking about that um they should and i i mean i knew about this beforehand but i had never witnessed it with my eyes um my sister has uh, constructed, if you will, a medical marijuana grow operation in my mom's, uh, they built like this pole barn and, uh, it didn't really have a whole lot in it at the time. So she built it in there and my mom isn't really cool with marijuana in general, but my sister has, it's all on the up and up. She has the cards and everything to, to sell this to, um, the um the shops that distribute it to to actual people who need it medicinally um and so i had heard about it my mom has talked about it a little bit um but i'd never seen it and so i finally got to see it over the week over july 4th weekend and uh let me tell you it is quite interesting um (laughs) First of all, the first thing you notice is you walk into the the sealed chamber. No, actually, it was just a garage door. But uh, the first thing you'll notice is that it is very warm, very humid. I mean, it's warm outside anyway, but it's it's got almost like that foresty jungle feel just because it's I mean, if you've ever been in like a greenhouse or anything like that, where it's 
temperature regulated and all that stuff. That's how it feels. But the overwhelming smell uh, is the next thing that'll hit you because it, it is very, very potent when you have a lot of plants just kind of, I mean, I think she probably had 15 or so and then some like starters or clones or, or whatever, however it works. Um, so it was, it was pretty potent. Um, it's a fairly small operation. I mean, it's not by any means like what you would probably see in a documentary or anything like that. There's been some on Netflix. I know where they talk about, um, different aspects of like the legal side of marijuana versus the illegal side of marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. but it was just kind of interesting because I I've only seen I've I've never seen that many marijuana plants in one place. I've only seen one actual one in my life, um, in in person, and that was in like a cornfield. So it was very <laughs> legit, as you can imagine. But this this was uh, this was very um, well, fairly professional looking anyway. And uh, yeah, it was it was kind of interesting, but. It's funny because there's always like you don't really think about how much electricity it takes if you've ever done this before, how much electricity it takes to to grow anything, let alone um, marijuana, apparently, because the the bills for the lights are in the hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. <laughs> so uh, uh, that 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 is like before you go out and go, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do this, you know be be aware plus like the the water you have to use and stuff and like i said this isn't a very big operation so yeah she's uh she's got this um my mom was out in the country so it it's a it's a good place to to do something like that because so now i know why you've been traveling out of town so yeah, much lately dude, we go down there all the time hang out in the in the pole barn and get i mean you know they say don't smoke your own product or whatever but what do those people know? <laughs> so yeah, that was just kind of interesting to, I don't know. I mean, I know it's legal, but it still feels illegal because of the, I mean, I know those opinions are changing ever so slowly uh, across America, but uh, it still feels kind of weird when you're standing in there and you're just kind of like, I've seen this, I've seen FBI agents raid houses for for stuff like this and here i am but um yeah so please don't try to find where my mother lives and steal (laughs) everything because that would be that would be bad okay so that that that's it i mean i i can't i don't really want i can't take pictures or anything so i don't really want to to um do anything like that but hopefully i could paint you a verbal picture of what it might be like. So, um, but yeah, very, very kind of strange to see that at my mom's house. Um, as as somebody who, I mean, you know, you've known her for quite some time, Jason, she's pretty laid back, but it's not like she's, she's no hippie mom, so to speak, who would be like token down. So yeah, that's, uh, I, I don't know what goes on. Apparently, neither do I. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that's the grow operation, man. So I got the hookup. If you, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, FBI swarms my house. Ah, uh, jeez. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just uh, people. You just got swatted. That's all. It's true. All that was. It's true. I mean, I'm small potatoes, but I might be able to give them information that leads them up the the chain, and then I'll go into 
private witness protection or whatever, and they'll make a TV show about me later. Ah, that's, there the we plan. Go. that's the plan. So. Excellent. I, uh, I like where your head's at. I like where this Thank is you. going. Thank you. Step three is profit, by the way. Yes. Two is question mark. I don't know what that means, but I think we'll figure it out when we get there. All right. Works <clears> for me. <throat> Let's do it. You know what works for me? Hmm. What you playing? Oh, boizing. Boizing. Bazumba de boomba. Jabba yeah. no bada. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's going on, man? I don't know. I think you man. need to be rebooted. Uh, oh, this is this is the this has all the trappings of a great great show. You what know, was Paolo's that? loving this right what now. What was that one uh, line that you had from the? It was on the hundred the episode fifty or episode fifty two when you're like, oh no, I've fallen into a pit of despair. Oh I, yeah, <laughs> I've fallen into a pit of despair. Yeah, that that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, that's that's where you're going. You are. <laughs> circling the drain my friend but that's okay because i have a grappling hook and i yes. will shoot it towards you and you will grasp it my friend excellent excellent so what have you been up to this uh, week well um yeah i started of, of no besides the usual things i've done uh we didn't uh no not a lot of movies this week that i recall but we did start watching um because now it is on netflix season four of hell on wheels is on I didn't Netflix. know you were even watching this, honestly. Yeah, I I started watching it. Um, well, oddly enough, I watched like the 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 pilot episode or the first episode a long time ago on like mm-hmm. on demand with uh, my brother in law, long time back, and then thought it was cool, but didn't watch it live. And then I ended up watching the uh, first two seasons, or at least the the fir- no, I watched the first season on Netflix and really liked the show. And then I um. And I recorded it and watched it as it aired, like season two, mm-hmm. and then lost track of when season three would start. And then I, when I finally did, I had missed so many episodes, so I only could I like had was able to catch like a marathon and re record them and watch it that way. But there was like one episode we were missing. And uh, I, got, I had introduced it to Jess, and she liked it too because she's always like some westerns and things. Like that. I think that comes from growing up. Her dad always watched a lot of John Wayne, so she got you know exposure to that. Mm-hmm. And um, we were missing an episode, and finally we just said, "Okay, let's just finish it." And then I had all of this season recorded again, but we didn't have the first episode. So I had every other episode, right. so I never watched it on my DVR. So I just was waiting for it to come to Netflix. So yeah, what I've always liked it. Yeah, I, I think I did like the first season the most, and I feel like it, eh, it not quite as good. The second season was all right too, but I don't know. There was more. I really liked the conflict between you know the, the Anson Mount's character. Um, uh, what's a uh, Bohannon with uh, Mr. Swede? I really love that conflict between those two characters, and then um, everything else. But yeah, season four. Uh, I think we watched like the first two, maybe three episodes. Um, and I think season five is coming pretty soon. Now, how to AMC. S- how similar is this to Sons of Anarchy? Because I don't really know much about Hell on Wheels. But I do know a few people who've watched Sons of Anarchy, and I've seen a couple of episodes. Would you recommend, like, if you liked Sons of Anarchy, would you watch? Uh, I don't know if you could say it's similar at all, because, I mean, the period piece. Oh. No. I, yeah. I guess I thought this was about a motorcycle. No, Hell on Wheels is a Western. 
set during the Western expansion in the oh 1800s. Oh my god! I think I'm just going to join the <laughs> join you circling this. Yeah, it's about a it's the they're the Union Pacific, and I can't remember which of the railroad they're racing against, but they're trying to build a railroad to connect the two the two oceans. I think east, east to west. I think the um, show that I'm thinking of was actually canceled. Now that <laughs> I think about it. Oh. Well, there you go. Because so you have not, no idea what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, so I don't. I really don't know what you're talking about. Apparently, but well, I if you like westerns, you should check it out. It's cool. It's really good. It's like I said, it's on Netflix, so you can get four seasons under your belt. I feel like westerns really. I hope they're making a resurgence anyway, because they've they kind of went downhill in the mid like 2000s. I think now. it's hard to do it right without making it seem kind of cheesy. Well, I think it's becoming. Um, a little bit like less and less relatable because like Westerns are always about kind of like man versus the land type Mm. type thing, like taming the wild and, or, or like um, I think Deadwood kind of did it the best or the best that I've seen anyway is, you know, just kind of like the, the um, frontier justice type aspect of, 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 of that whole um, time. So but yeah, that's kind of hard to relate to nowadays. We don't really have to worry about getting eaten by wolves or anything. Right. Well, now I know where you're going when you're making the sense of anarchy. Sense of anarchy yeah, I, I I wish I could freaking remember what the uh, other one was called. Well, that's right. That, that just well. made it so much better. So yeah, we yeah. watched that. Um, and then it was actually just the other day. I needed, had some time to kill. I was like, you know, I'm going to watch some more Batman. So I watched yes. a couple more episodes of Batman, the animated series. I don't like how... Um, uh, Amazon Instant Video, like the episodes aren't in the way they have the seasons listed. They don't have the episodes in the order that they in the air date, and I'm not Ooh. sure if that matters because I wonder if they're posted like it, it's more chronological that way. Like recently, I saw there was an article that came out that uh, for Star Wars: The Clone Wars, and it has all the episodes listed in chronological order. So if you wanted to watch them in the order that they actually take place in the timeline. You can do that. So I wonder if it's something similar to that. But and I will say that I did get I watched three episodes. The second and third episode I watched had the classic, the actual intro, you know, where you got the Warner Brothers logo. Yeah, the Warner Brothers logo. And then it turns into the the blimp lights and everything. And like we all knew and loved. And then the fourth episode again had that Batman New Adventures of Batman Superman that I had talked about last time. It must be because they they changed the um because they did that was around the time that they changed the the character designs a little bit I think too. Yeah, that was towards the end but then it became the Adventures of Batman and Robin I thought. Yeah. The I new don't... Adventures of Batman and Robin something like that but Yeah, I don't know for sure. So maybe the it last, has something the to do with that. The last episode I watched though is Captain Clown. Ooh, your favorite one. <laughs> yep. He drives the the stink barge yep. or whatever the hell. So I got to watch that. <laughs> uh what well, it was see the it was the Christmas with the Joker. Was the first yep. one I watched, and then the second one was, um, if I can remember, oh, the one with Scarecrow, and uh, then, the one where he breaks out of the asylum or whatever, and he's nah, like underneath it, or is nah. it the football one? It wasn't the football oh, one. That's it the was same one. I think this actually. is the one where he has, well, he always has like that fear gas, but um, I think this must be the first one where he gets caught. So then maybe the next one is when he can break out. I'm not. I can't remember how okay. it started. And then the third one is is was the you know the the garbage barge with all the ass. 
Yes. <laughs> garbage barge, garbage barge, garbage barge. Say that three <laughs> times fast. Garbage beard. So it was kind of cool to watch that because you know I've you know I don't have Silicon Valley to get to watch anymore or something. You know I wanted something that was half hour episodic. So uh, maybe next time I'll do uh, the the, the Hell and Catch Fire. But and then uh, to round things up, we had talked about it, doing it, and we finally did it with our our friend Russ that has been on the show before. Yeah, uh, we started playing Borderlands too. Yeah, with uh, new characters, and that's that's been a lot of fun. It's just cool to play something with that's not dirty, dirty bomb or <laughs> something else. And I mean, yeah, it's an older game, but it's cool that it's something that you know you can kind of you have to like get into it and pay attention to what you're doing, but you can kind of shut your brain off too. Like I'm playing as I'm playing as zero, and I'm doing a sniper build. So you and Russ, you know, you're up distract the enemies. So I just sit back there and shoot, aim for heads. It's quite. Quite fun until you run Criticals out of ammo. everywhere. Yeah, so yep. ammo has been a real problem for you. Yes, it has. So we've got, uh, we had just saved Roland from the Constructicon robot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we're what, probably, a, I don't even know if you'd say a quarter through the game. I can't remember. I think remember. it's probably easier just to refer in levels, like how yeah, far yeah. we are. It's Where are we, prob- level 12, 13? Like 12, yeah, 12 or 13. Oh, did you get any of the DLC? I only got those weird, I think they're like mini DLCs, the the headhunter packs oh, there's like things. five of them we need to at least all get uh i just want to play through tina, tina tiny tinas because yeah. <laughs> most especially because that is like geared as like D comedy so i think it would really appeal to the three of us since we, you guys especially have more of a background than that but i'm you know i'm obviously familiar with things like that i think it's just really fun to play through that that together yeah so, I, I i would love to do that actually i didn't get to any of that stuff because i played it on the original uh 360 but I gotta say, it's way better on the PC. Oh and yeah, I, and I didn't do any of the DLC. Pro tip: if for this game, it's that old. <laughs> if you're playing on PC, <laughs> go to your settings and uncap the frames per second. Your your eyeballs will thank you. Yes, that is true. I happen to see that. I I always just like have a tendency to look in the options, and I saw that somewhere, and I was like, hmm, better better do that. So, uh. sixty frames per second, ultimate gaming. Yes, and there you have it. Lucas, tell me about your things. Oh, geez, now I get to go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I know well, you watched... Well, if someone knew what Hells on Wheels was... <laughs> That's true. It did take me about 20 minutes to figure out what you were talking about, apparently. Um, I know you know that I was getting my ass handed to me on, in Dark Souls for the PC, the first one. Yeah. Which, if you're not familiar with that game, it's... It's basically a third person action game, but it's it's slow. It's it's kind of like Zelda, but really like the difficulties amped up. And part of that is just because uh, you have like a stamina meter. So every time you swing or use your shield, you um, it takes away your stamina. So if your stamina drops, you can't swing your sword. You can't raise your shield. You get your ass handed to you. You get stabbed 50,000 times. Um, it's it's great fun. Or more often than not, you find yourself rolling off a cliff because you forgot where you were um, in the in the landscape. And then you're just like, uh, shit, because um, the, the, the real difficult part about it is that you gain experience through souls that you collect from every single monster that you kill. The only way you can level up is by visiting bonfires and um, you can spend those souls on leveling up each individual stat, like strength, uh, not charisma, strength, dexterity, stuff like that. However, when you visit the bonfire, all of the enemies that you defeated along the way 
respawn and you have to defeat them again. Also, if you die with with souls on you, you drop them and you have one life to get them back. If you die on your second life, then you've lost all those souls that you've um, collected. So like me, who had 12,000, which was enough to probably level myself up four times, uh, I lost mine because I was being an idiot in, and got myself killed and lost them all. So that really sucks. Uh. Um, I did upload a, a very short video of myself getting boned over uh, like, <laughs> like, a, like a complete noob uh, on our Flux to Post channel. Had to dust off the, the connections a little bit, but uh, to, to put something up there because it's been a while. But uh, if you want to see, see me getting my ass handed to me like an idiot, then you can, you can watch that on there. Um, Excellent. And then uh, we've been we've been getting into uh, season three of Orange is the New Black. I'm only up to episode. Uh, actually, we watched episode six tonight and it's all right. Like when they're not throwing the hey, we're, we're all lesbians like trying to. I mean, I know that it's prison, so people are going to, you know, have sex when when and where they can. But uh there's a point it's kind of like game of thrones where you're just like okay you you almost like ignore it at that point and it just kind of becomes uh standard fare for the show i guess you kind of come to expect it but there were a couple scenes in this one where even i was just like whoa they just showed that that's crazy i guess that's what happens when you have a netflix show you don't really have to worry about uh censorship really or anything like that so right right uh i will warn you i think it, it might have been episode 3ish i think where I was just like, whoa. So if you watch that, just be careful. Um, but other than that, <laughs> it is nice to see some, they're still doing kind of like some of the characters and how they got there type stuff. So that stuff kind of interests me. It's not quite, I, I think it's going a little downhill as far as the quality goes. So we'll see. I'll probably finish out the season though. Um, and then I happened upon this show because I was watching a game grumps, ask me anything, uh, uh, YouTube video that they had thrown up and one of them had uh, one of the viewers asked what their favorite anime was and yes I know you're thinking anime what what the hell you always talk about how you don't really care for anime uh, however they were talking about an anime that was done by some of the creators of Cowboy Bebop which always stands as like my favorite anime ever because <laughs> it mostly shakes the conventions of animes in general um, and I appreciate that. This anime is called Space Dandy, and uh, I believe it was on Cartoon Network, possibly. I'm not 100% sure on that, but uh, I know C Cowboy Bebop was, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. But it's uh, it's on Hulu, if you have that, um, or under Funimation is the one who uh, is the studio that does it. And um, it's goofy. It's fun. Um, the episodes end in a way where, like, it almost seems like they die every time. It's about a guy named Space Dandy and his space crew who are looking for new aliens to register with the alien registry so that they can get paid. Um, okay. And it happens in space, if you if you didn't know. But it's very tongue-in-cheek, very comical. Um, for instance, they go to a place uh, – they like to eat – Space Dandy likes to eat at a place called Boobies, which is basically um, Hooters – for the most part. Um, and so that's pretty funny. Um, ah. but it, it, it makes fun of most of the, the conventions of, of anime or at the very least has fun with it. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, 
does it in a fun way. So I would recommend it if you're kind of burnt out from the regular anime fair. Uh, okay. That's that's Space Dandy. It, it's it's fun. Um, and it hooked me, so I'll probably keep watching it. Uh, and then also, I finally got around to seeing Now You See Me, which we've had like sitting around forever. I got that with Fury. And how long ago did I watch that? You so, must have uh, known you just didn't want to watch it. I know. I you know I heard that some people had warned me. I think you were one of them. Man, what a missed opportunity with this film because the the premise is okay. It's a little shaky as far as like I don't feel like it was as well thought out. They they basically were like it's Robin Hood but with magic. Um so the motivations behind the characters and stuff were a little weird, but most of all it was just kind of cheesy. Like especially the the girl, I can't remember what her name was, but everything she said was like, all right, everybody, let's give them like she had this weird stage voice, but she had it all the time. And I was like, just awful. I don't I don't know what to say. So you would think something about magic would be like kind of entertaining and, and you'd be like, oh, how did they do that or whatever? But I don't know. They paced this one really weird. It was longer than I thought it was going to be. For I mean, I don't it was one of those movies where you're like, why is this still going like? Why are there like five endings to this? Just get to the the point. <laughs> so, and then the big reveal at the end, which I think everyone probably saw coming at that point is, I don't know. I, I half got through that one. If you asked me to, to explain to you everything that happened, I couldn't do it. Cause I was, you know, texting or, or going, God, when is this over? But I sent it out. It's out the door and I'm ready for some more Netflix DVDs to come my way. So I would not recommend that. I gave it a, two out of five i think on the netflix rating thing just not very interesting hmm. yeah just, eh. when did how long ago did you watch that because it it's been out for a it. while oh you never did well you dodged yeah. a bullet so yeah it just looks like the it just didn't look interesting to me it wasn't i mean i mean you can't tell about any trailer you can't go by trailers but i mean it just it just did not look good yeah well, it, it must have made enough money because it's got uh got sequels and stuff well so. it's got star power behind it that's part of the reason why i was like it can't be that bad i mean it's got woody harrelson in it it's got uh mark ruffalo it's got um freaking morgan freeman and michael kine so i mean you think that <laughs> you're like how could this be bad somehow it is uh she got uh, your michael kane impression michael kane it's like the worst it's, it's now say terrible. Uh, master bruce Master Bruce, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> why? Why do we fall, Master Bruce? It's terrible. Uh, I can't. Yeah. It's even worse when you have headphones yeah. on because you can't hear yourself it, talking. It's going worse. Just stop it now. <laughs> uh, so that uh, concludes your. Uh... That's it, man. That's that's what I did. I I didn't think it was. It was um, I'm like, man, I don't really feel like I did that much. But then more, <laughs> more came back to me. Well, I could never forget. I watched Now You See Me because that was horrible. So but uh, but yeah, not too many games, but at least something different. So there you go. Excellent. Mein, mein friend. Mein friend. Mein friend. Well, let us discuss some news. Yeah. Shall we? Yes. And unfortunately, when one sun rises, it must also set. And it is with, I, well, I'm okay. So I'm, I'm going to set the table here because uh, I, I informed you of this news. I'm sitting here 
I was on the couch last night. I don't remember what we were watching. We were watching something on TV, and then I got a text message, and I just ignored it. And then, like, I checked it like 30 minutes later, and it was from our friend, our mutual friend Jared. He had texted me, and it was a link from like uh, Routers, Routers UK or whatever, and it was about passing of Satoru Awada. And I was like, I read it, and I was like, holy fuck, what the hell? And then I texted you, and it just completely blew me away because, okay, we had. It had, it had it was a well known fact that he had been his health hadn't been the greatest. I mean, he had uh, last year's E three. Well, I shouldn't it, say E three. Right? Uh, there had been a couple of things that he had passed events he had passed on because of his health was a concern. But we had all known that he had been recovering and mm. things were going all right. I mean, he had a leave of absence there at Nintendo, but he was dealing with what was the. Uh, I guess I can actually click on the link here I provided. So what his he, thing was? Yeah. Was a it was bile duct um, yeah growth he had a section of yeah because he had a section of his intestine removed I believe yeah it makes me wonder if it was complications from the operation or if it was just like it didn't go away or or what right so in case you hadn't heard somehow that yes we the Nintendo CEO uh, Satoru Iwata had passed away uh, Sunday. Uh, yesterday the 12th after he was only 55 which is such a a young age to go so yeah that's what surprised me the most was when i read that he was only 55 yeah so uh let's go into the facts here uh, this is from nintendo life and this is kind of uh a, a somewhat of an obituary on him uh he was the fourth company president and oversaw a period of extraordinary success and then evolution while becoming hugely popular fans for his personality and humor so he really got his start in the game industry working at HAL Laboratory, which uh, is known from you know the Smash Brothers and like Kirby. Mm-hmm. And those were like, that's those, like some of the, the things that he was a programmer. So one of the, the games he's mostly known working on was uh, you know the Kirby games Earthbound. Um, he was involved with uh, Balloon Fight and uh, Pokemon, some of the Pokemon games. So he he. He rose through the ranks at HAL and became the president of that in 1993. And then he became the head of Nintendo's corporate planning division in the year 2000. He just kept kind of moving up, kept moving up, and he gained the respect and trust of Hiroshi Yamauchi, who was the third president. And then he announced that and promoted Iwata to be his successor in 2002. He was the first president of the company from outside the Yamauchi, Yamauchi, I'm going to probably pronounce it wrong, family. So that's that's pretty cool. I mean, it, I think his his big belief was always on uh, innovation and not just through – I read a really good breakdown on Reddit, but it wasn't – I think with his philosophy has kind of always been – I think there's some other people that they're looking out to who's going to be the line to the next CEO of the company. You know, they're not – they're more pushing games forward through innovation and not through, you know, just raw horsepower, which you kind of see in Nintendo's – you know, philosophy over the past how many years? Yeah, since um, their inception, it seems like. Yeah, pretty much after the NES or the SNES, it wasn't really ever about graphical power or whatever. So much yeah. as the experience, right? And man, there's so much more in this article I could go through, but I, I just don't want to take that much time on the show there's to a do lot that. Here. But, yeah. I mean, I had I hate to say it, but I mean, I didn't know. I really didn't know that much about Awada personally. Like, I didn't know. I guess I did, and I didn't know that he was, you know, what he was involved with games-wise. Like, I didn't know he was a programmer and involved in that side of the industry. So that's what I—that's what I've liked about Nintendo, at least, that they've had, 
you know, they have people that are higher up in the company that were directly involved with making games, you know, and not how we do things in on the West where our leaders of our companies are often just business minded people. Well, like, like look back to like console wars, what we were talking about. Look what, look what, uh, look at Sega, you know, he, he was led by a guy that sold toys, you know? Yeah. He had nothing, didn't even know what, had nothing to do with video games, but because he had a good business acumen, that's why he was running the company, you know? Who's the guy at Xbox who, um, was recently, um, given that title, like the, the bigger title of, um, uh, Phil Spencer, Microsoft, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Phil Spencer. Well, yeah. Cause you were, you were saying like, I feel bad that you don't know anything about, um, Iwata, but it's like, kind of like Phil Spencer. Like, I don't know anything about him. I just go, Oh, he's a guy that, that comes out at E3 and tells me to buy the things that they made. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause like, yeah. like you're saying in the West are pretty much all of these, um, all of these companies, it's kind of, it's, you know, the business minded, a lot of people make sideways shifts into kind of the same role because their pedigree is what is kind of what lands them those jobs. Whereas here, like you said, he, Iwata worked himself up from the bottom. And I, f- I feel like I don't know that much about the culture, but I feel like that is more the way that things are done there. Like yeah. they respect hard work and dedication and loyalty and stuff like that where, uh, so, I mean, I, I guess I'm not really, I don't feel bad about not knowing about like what his, what his uh, stamp on the gaming industry was, but I do feel like I must've been missing out. Cause like, it is really interesting that he basically came from like, he knows every part of Nintendo basically. Cause he was there at some point at one point or another. Yeah. So, you wouldn't put a, <laughs> you wouldn't put a game designer in charge of Microsoft, that just would be weird. You'd put, you know, somebody who went to business school or, or whatever, right. you know, that's, that's just how things are done here. So. so Unfortunate. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just a huge loss to the gaming industry and that obviously the Nintendo, but the gaming industry as a whole, I mean, it's just, I, I feel like it came out of nowhere. Cause as far as we knew, you know, his help was, getting better and then all of a sudden he's just gone I well mean, there wasn't any like reports that he was in the hospital or anything was there uh, not to my knowledge so yeah, so it just kind of came out of nowhere yeah and from what I understand uh, everything I, I can't remember who is the is filling that void until the time when the company elects a new CEO I know uh, Miyamoto is one of those individuals and I, I hope that I love nothing against Miyamoto I love Miyamoto but I really hope that he doesn't somehow get promoted elected to CEO or president whatever you know, what I'm supposed to say because I just mm-hmm. I feel I, like I love Miyamoto he's a brilliant mind for games but I feel like he's still from that range where he's still out of touch still old enough where he's out of touch with where things need to be the present day and I see if he was somehow in charge I think we'd still see Nintendo still making the, the behind the times decisions like we have right now with you know the no voice chat and things like that the more so, like uh, conservative yeah so view. i hope i hope someone they do have someone that steps in that can kind of help bridge that gap a little more you know i don't want to see nintendo completely drift away from the path they're on because i do, I do feel like you know I, I don't feel like nintendo nintendo is going to ever have a console now that's going to directly compete head-to-head in terms of raw horsepower with what microsoft or sony produces i think and I read this analogy too. It's like, well, not everyone who makes a car is marketing that car as the fastest car you can drive. You know, that's true. So, um, I don't know. It anyway. I mean, that's getting off topic here. The thing is, you know, we lost a great uh, 
a great person in the games industry with a large list of accomplishments. So we'll link up in the show notes not only this um, this article from Nintendo Life that kind of has a obituary, but then uh, Polygon had a nice little timeline that has a lot of the accomplishments and things he was involved with um, throughout his career at Nintendo. So that's worth a look as well. And I see I see what many people are doing is you know dedicating in remembrance of him. They're playing you know. Nintendo games that he worked on and things like that. But one of the coolest things I saw that I hope to do is they've, they, well, Nintendo's not posting on social media or anything today in, in observance, but uh, I saw on Reddit and a bunch of other sites too where there's the official Iwata me. And I see people, you know, are putting that on their console. And when they're playing like Mario Kart online, people are racing as Iwata and things like that. So I, th- I think that's pretty cool. Like I saw one video that was like an eight player, you know, Mario Kart. Um, eight race and they were all Iwata so that's that's crazy that's pretty crazy and that's really cool that people are doing things like that so he lives on in spirit yeah and I think that's what a better way to give thanks than to you know for him to know that people are enjoying the things that he created so that was beautiful (laughs) it really was well now that we've gotten we've gone through that now we're gonna flip the flip the script here and now we're talking movies so that was the only games I'm sure there's more games news out there this week, too, but I think that's kind of a fitting tribute in our own way, too, to have that to be the only story we talk about this week. So mm-hmm. that will be how we pay tribute to the man. Um, so we're talking movies, and, you know, we had just had uh, San Diego Comic-Con going on. So uh, three three new trailers hit. We had this this great Star Wars behind-the-scenes trailer, a uh, new trailer for Batman versus Superman, Donna Justice, and Suicide Squad. So neither of us had really watched that, so we're going to take a moment to watch these right now, and then we'll uh, discuss them. It's sad that I just don't see the sets like that. I'm like, oh! I don't think that's sad. I think that's awesome. <laughs> Why am I not in full mm. screen? Because you're a damned fool. He just looks so cool already. Chewie looks terrifying without teeth or eyes. <laughs> I can do it. They have IMAX screens inside the Millennium Falcon Real cockpit. Sets. <laughs> Practical effects. God, I'm gonna have to see this in IMAX too. Damn it! That's what I want to. I want to do that so that I don't have to worry about crowds or anything. I just get my seats, and there you go. I like how you use this first shot you see of Carrie Fisher in like character too. Yes. It doesn't look quite as bad as I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. She looks a little more strangely more put together when she puts on the outfit. Yeah. Ah, uh, so good. Yeah. As soon as like it's available to buy tickets in advance, I'm buying tickets. Well, you're gonna have to because I'm sure it will. Even around here, it would sell out. So I wouldn't be surprised. You know, how many theaters are going to show that? And I remember like just Revenge of the Sith was like showing in like four or five, six screens on opening night. So we just watched the Star Wars behind the scenes trailer uh, from Comic-Con and, you know, it's, man, it really, when you see it like that, it really feel well, it's hard to say for me because I don't know how much of the old, the old trilogy is still in nostalgia for me because I'll be honest, I haven't sat down and watched like episode four or five or six in their entirety since VHS. Like, I have them all on Blu-ray, but I haven't actually mm-hmm. watched them. Like, I saw, wow. like, some of the special editions here and there, but I haven't, like, I used to watch those, like, 
on a weekly basis when I was young. Yeah. On uh on on VHS and stuff, and I've never and I didn't own them again until uh until I got these on the Blu-ray set. So um I don't know how much that's nostalgia I me remembering it, but you watch that and it's like oh my god, it just feels like those movies feel to me, well, you know. I think part like as soon as I started watching this, it reminded me of like you can uh you'll see on you can see on YouTube how back in like when they were making the original Star Wars in the 70s and they would play uh like kind of a 30 minute or 20 minute special about like a behind the scenes how they're doing it like here's the special effects here's mm. the the cast on the on the the set of the movie or whatever like it feels like something like that I mean, right. I know it, it is that, but it has that feeling of like you're saying, like nostalgia. It's done in such a way that it reminded me of those things, even though I wasn't even alive at that time. So, right, right, absolutely. And I just, man, it's like, I, this is, I just can't wait to see this movie. I just, uh, it's like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if it's because like I I'm not one of those people that has like this huge stigma against the prequels, but it definitely feels like the prequels now, besides being Star Wars, they definitely like they they just feel and they look so much different than that original trilogy. And yeah, you can say that's because there's all it's so much CGI based and things like that. And now and that's the difference you probably get when going through the practical earthy look, you know, that mm-hmm. we get from Star Wars when you're having something that's heavily computer and graphic enhanced and things like that but man i just i just feel like it, it's like it just feels like star wars you know and i just can't i gosh i can't wait to get into that uh you know um highlights that i guess that we see from that that uh we hadn't seen up to that point you see uh simon Pegg on set so we know that he's in looks like he's playing a a, a costume character of some yeah. sort you know we got to see some more of the cr- other species and critters that you know are you know going to be kind of extra filler and scenes and things like that but we also see uh some more shots of the main characters we see carrie fisher in costume for the first time briefly there we see uh peter mayhew as chewbacca um oh man i just i can't wait for this <laughs> i can't wait for this movie uh i mean <laughs> I can hear your giddiness. That's all there is to it, man. It's just, uh, it's going to be freaking awesome. I am, I am happily going to stay up for the midnight release. I will gladly pay $20 for an IMAX ticket and mm-hmm. I don't give a F. That's right. That's right. I'm really interested to see, uh, what this red masked thing is. Cause it does not look familiar to me, but it looks. Oh, that one that when it opened its mouth, it had that weird, like, like robotic My sound channel. effect thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure what that was either. So um, if you hadn't, if, if you're unfamiliar with what this trailer is, it's basically, it's a behind the scenes reel of, you know, making of uh, episode seven, essentially. Mm-hmm. So uh, there wasn't any pod racing uh, though. So that's pretty unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So as I say, the star—it's a behind, big behind-the-scenes thing of the making of *The Force Awakens* with little interviews with cast and crew and people that are on the set. And it's just—it's just a great way to get you, for me, and probably millions of other people like me, for your inner child to just go, "Oh my god!" Things well, like that. I, and I think about um, the behind-the-scenes of like the first three episodes, and I don't really remember them being portrayed in such a like 
joyous way. Like I, I remember um, them talking about like training for the lightsaber scenes and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't remember them talking about like, like the stuff here where they're talking about how the aliens are going to be like the aliens. Remember you remember and how we're using miniatures for a lot of the stuff or how we're on set and it's not just a giant green screen. So, uh, I don't, I think that's a part of the issue with those, you know, I, w- I really wish you and McGregor could somehow be in these new films though. We, we owe that to him. That's true. It's true. He never, he never deserved to be in those first, <laughs> uh, he did it. He was probably like, to me, he was, one of the best parts that came out of oh, yeah. he adds he so much that, that character too. All right. Shall we uh, watch the Batman versus Superman now? Let's now that my timestamps are all effed up. Yeah. Sorry about that, man. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, yeah. Let's watch this next trailer and uh, go from there. Today is a day for truth. The world needs to know what happened and to know what he stands for. Get ready for super seriousness. I still need to watch Man of Steel, by the way. Um, that's... That costume just looks weird, though. It's like... It's he doesn't like, have red underwear. It's like bedazzled. I don't like how the S is all meshy. <laughs> it's scaled. And it's going to take me a while to get used to Affleck as Twain. Yeah. He seems like a too macho... Of a person for Bruce Wayne, I guess. I do like where they're going with this, though, because it's like, you know, he he does, from what I hear, he, like, destroys half of Metropolis and, you know, Superman down in the yeah, Superman really movie. Does. And it's like, do you have no remorse for any of that? You know, you just killed probably how many innocent people, you know? That's going to take some getting used to is Eisenberg as well. well. Especially since he's so young. I don't know why, but Wonder Woman looks so cheesy. What's up with Batman there and the combat fatigues and stuff? I think with Wonder Woman, it's because it's always that same shot of her, like, in yeah. the battle. She's probably in it for, like, five minutes. I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we just watched Batman versus Superman, Donna Justice, the Comic-Con trailer. And, okay, I, w- I will say this, that this trailer... I makes me look forward more to the movie than that other one that we the leaked one where it was all dark and rainy and do you bleed you know <laughs> that that you know and so I'm, I'm more excited for it but i i'm, I'm still like i don't know what it is that because let's I'll, I'll say with like marvel marvel's movies i hate comparing you know dc to marvel with, with stuff like this because it's kind of mm-hmm. like apples to oranges but you know, with marvel stuff they they aren't taking themselves so seriously you know and there's that hint of Tongue in cheek, yeah, cheeky. a little bit with it, but with this one especially, I get like it's this is super serious, you guys, you know. So I, I I'm worried that it's gonna be, it's gonna be too trying to do, it's gonna be too much of trying to be too serious, and it's gonna it's gonna have, hurt the have, movie. You have two super breeding, brooding, super breeding. Oh, that'd be bad. <laughs> super brooding characters, and there's no light lightness in it i think that's like with batman snyder i mean what do you expect yeah no kidding with batman uh especially the second one you had you had like the joker who kind of injected a little bit of like kind of dark humor into it and stuff and lighten the mood a little bit sometimes but here it's just like i I, the one thing i think that will kill this movie 
for sure. I mean, because you've already got pre, uh, you've got fans and everything who are looking forward to this. But the one thing that'll kill it for me is the pacing, and that Man of Steel had that problem, where everything is just so serious and everything is just heavy heavy scene onto heavy scene and you're just, you need a, you need to take a breather or something and it never comes. And you're just like, Oh, we're fighting now. Finally. Thank God. It's something different. I'm tired of hearing all the, like the, um, the, um, psychology and everything behind like what it takes to be a hero and, and, and all this other stuff. So yeah, I, I really think that the, if, if it's, if the pacing is boring, for the viewers, then the movie's going to suffer because it, it looks to be pretty even keeled. And I mean, it's just a trailer, so who knows? But I will say, I like the Batman power armor, though. How do you feel yeah. about that? Well, I like that, but I'm I'm sick of just seeing the power armor. I want to get some more shots. Like we get that brief glimpse there at the end, where you know Superman rips the the top off the Batmobile and, and Batman stands up, which you expertly phrased, "I'm Batman." I'm Batman. <laughs> that was way worse. I'm Batman. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just really want to get a better shot of the Batfleck and then in the power armor. So uh, yeah. I, I, I like, like we were talking, I like, I like how the setup of this is going, how it's Superman having to, you know, the world is making Superman answer for what happened in Man of Steel. And I like how there's that, because that's something you never get asked where you have these superheroes that are causing all the destruction. Who, you know, who answers for that? You know, who's going to take care of all these dead bodies. <laughs> right. So that, that part interests me. I just, I don't know. I'm still, it's, I'm again, it's a trailer, so you can't hold the movie to a trailer because we all know how bad those can be and what they can do. Yes. But I'm still on the fence on this. I will say I'm more interested than I was before this trailer. I just, will you see it opening night? Opening weekend? I didn't even go see Avengers on opening night or opening weekend. No way. No. That's true. No. Well, well let's you put hate, it this you way. Hate movies. Okay. So. Here's here's <laughs> let's let's be honest here. Are, are, does your wife want to see this movie? Uh, I doubt it. I severely. So if she that, did, that, it would that, only be that directly that, that directly affects when I will, when or if I will see the movie. That that is true. So. Well, you know, we if. If she doesn't, then you have someone very willing to go with you, and that someone is me, because we're going to yeah, go watch yeah, Batman. Yeah. Hopefully, that's the plan anyway. Yeah, so. Speaking of which, I am on the hunt. To, I checked, and I don't see... I hope Avengers wasn't already at Woodland, because I'll be pissed if I missed it, and I do have to wait for I don't think so. Release. I don't think so, because I was looking at that, too. So I don't. I think that there's just going to be a little gap before it, it comes, because okay. you know that thing played for, like, five years. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so Suicide Squad? I'm really looking forward to watching this trailer because I this is probably the one that I know the least about. Is even though we've talked about it a lot during the show, um, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I've seen some production production stills and stuff, but other than that, I don't really know much about it. Other than it's it's a bunch of bad guys doing dirty work, right? It's taking some work, but I finally have them. The worst of the worst. I have a feeling that Joker and Harley Quinn are gonna like steal this movie, though. Yeah, I would assume so. Really interesting look for that character. I hate hate to say it, but like how that pays off with Joker is gonna like really make or break that movie because a lot of people won't be able to. Maybe Superman was some kind of beak. 
like, look past the, that. Yeah. So we just watched Suicide Squad, and we kind of jumped the gun on the conversation, but I hate, like, okay, we still don't know a whole lot about this. Uh, I saw Michael had a comment on Facebook and how he can't believe anyone would be excited for this movie. Um, oh, God. Well, you can take that again. Everyone's entitled to their opinion, and it's a trailer. But, um, like, I, I really feel like so much of this movie's success is going to depend on how people inter- get on board with the interpretation of the choker that they have in this one. I'm not used to that look that they're going with them yet still, but and it's, I don't know, I, I just really think a lot of people don't like that performance and that interpretation of it, they will not like this movie, regardless of the rest of it. Well, yeah, I think it's important to be, for it to be different, but it's still gotta be a good performance and, I mean, it's got it has to be different, right? I mean, there's no yeah. there's no way you can just expect him to be I, I mean, I don't even care if they were trying if they would have expected him to be like uh Mark Hamill's uh Joker. You couldn't do it. You just can't expect someone to fill someone else's like uh, just uh a role that they've done so well. So I feel like I feel like they went in a decent direction with him being kind of more i don't know streetwise i guess more 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 like less of the like he's still crazy but more of like he's been through prison a few times he's yeah. a little bit younger um so i'm i'm okay with exploring that side of that character i mean it's comic books so you really can just i mean you can rewrite a character however many times you want right and nobody questions it so i'm curious to see how they just like any new run of Batman or Superman or anything where they decide like this writer or this artist is going to do their take on this character. This is no different. So I am willing to, I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt because it's easy to be cynical about things like this, especially stuff that is that we love, like, you know, things that were, uh, we hold dear to us. Um, right. But I think it's important to, to just try to stay optimistic about things. Well, here's your YouTube comment that wins. Only Americans would glorify psychopath psychopaths and then wonder about violence. Hypocrites. <laughs> That's your comment that wins the internet. For the day. Uh, so much ignorance in distilled into one comments it's so, amazing uh, again with this one i i don't would i see it i no not an opening day probably not an opening weekend uh opening month yeah maybe i just again there's not a, i don't know enough about it's the first trailer we've seen so i need to see more yet before i yeah i want to i'll probably wait for a little bit of word of mouth beforehand so i know kind of what i'm walking into isn't there an is there an animated film about suicide squad well i know the suicide squad is shows up in arrow at some point but i mean wasn't there or is at least that assault on arkham is that animated um yeah assault on arkham is animated and and in fact it's actually kind of anime style um it's like american anime style basically so um it's got a very stylistic look to it that some people might not appreciate okay let me see uh, two years before Arkham Asylum, story focuses primarily on the Suicide Squad. No, oh, there we go. Particularly Batman villains Deadshot and Harley Quinn with Batman in a supporting role. 
Okay, yeah. so maybe something like that. It, not quite the same, but it might give you some idea. Mm-hmm. So you know, at least they're like some group assembled to do. We still don't know what kind of mission they're sent on or things like that. So, right. Mm-hmm. Well, the important thing is that they're a, a squad of soldiers that can do hush hush government jobs and if they ever if anything bad ever happens they can just deny it and kill them right they're expend they're the expendables in the comic book universe basically. there you go well let's move along because we still have a couple of other things to hit on before we can get through the rest of the show um, sorry enough there was a star wars movie spinoff confirmed uh, long to be rumored what one of the, the spinoff films would be besides Rogue One. It's confirmed that we're going to get uh, one that explores the origin of Han Solo, which will be uh, dual responsible for the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street will be directing. So What? What a weird... Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah, that is kind of a weird... Christopher um, Miller and Phil Lord. Yeah, for them to be... I, I mean, to have comedy kind of like that comedy team to come in and do something. I mean, there is some comedy to, to Han Solo, but I don't know. It just, it just seems weird to me, but so that's not much, not much has been revealed. I hope they kind of explore the background of him and Chewbacca and how Chewie owes him that life debt anyway. Yeah. So hopefully we get some info on that, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited for a Han Solo one. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see as it as it comes out. I'm not gonna say a whole lot on yeah, it. Yeah, what can you say? It's just yeah. pretty much just been confirmed. That's it's about more it. Star Wars, so like I'm gonna complain. Yes. And this last thing I had never heard of, but I'll be damned if I'm not really interested by it. It's called, okay. So this is apparently this is a project that uh, Brian Henson had been working on for some time. It's called it's a movie that's a potential movie that's called The Happy Time Murders. And this headline from Empire says it's get a new it's a new lease on life. So. Apparently there's news on this from a couple years ago, but it's a Jim Henson company's dark puppet noir comedy, The Happy Time Murders. <laughs> Back in 2012, there's talk of Cameron Diaz and, and or Catherine Heigl being involved, but that was about it. And all of a sudden, Deadline has reporting that uh, the distributor financiers, STX Entertainment, have come aboard to get the project moving again. So this, it was a... Uh, the idea came up in 2008 by Brian, who was, was the son of Jim, one of the sons of Jim Henson, as a strictly four adults take on puppet life. It's set in a world where humans and their felt friends live side by side, but the puppets are treated as second class citizens. So think something kind of like maybe, uh, well, not even quite as like Section Nine, but something to that extent, sort uh, of like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Murder strikes as the seedy former stars of once popular kid show, The Happy Time Gang, turn up dead one by one, and the only man, quote unquote who can investigate is a washed-up private eye puppet who ropes in his former partner at the LAPD. The picture at the top of this page is some 2012 concept art. So that's some concept art you have there. It, it kind of reminds me of a wolf among us a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Henson is still directing from a script now credited to Todd Berger, D. Robertson, and Red writers Eric and John Hober. Um says it's interestingly no longer named as such or at all in the deadline story uh we'll take puppets to a place where we've never gone before on the big screen we are thrilled that adam fogelson and his folks at stx show the daring confidence to get behind the project this is a unique screenplay as we've seen in a long time says stx chairman fogelson uh that previous quote was from brian henson uh with relatable characters and a fantastic story this project is daring an original already comedy with a distinctive voice that is completely unconventional and fun so i think i am just like really like all just behind that idea. I think that's an awesome 
like concept. Ma- I like think. a like a cool mash of um, two different genres that you really would never see. Yeah, thrown together. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm really hoping that this gets eventually picked up and, and produced because I really want. I really want to watch it. It'd definitely be, uh, you know, people talk about how, oh, nothing's original. They just keep making reiterations of of your favorite 80s movies or whatever. Uh, this is uh, pretty out there. I mean, it's no Wolf Cop, but, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, it's no, it's definitely no Wolf Cop, but. Uh... What, I mean, is it really fair to hold anything to that standard? So, um, but yeah, I'd be interested to watch this as well. I think, I mean. I hope my hope is that it's not like I hope it's as weird as this sounds. I hope it's more noir than it is like clerks. I guess I could see like, Oh, puppets telling dirty jokes. That's, that's funny. And I want, I want less of that and more, um, Gosh, I don't even I don't even want to say taken seriously because we're talking about a movie about puppets. But do you know do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want it just to be a bunch of like Elmo's making dirty jokes and and, and stuff like that. I think that it should. I, I hope that it has more substance than that. So. Right, right, right. So. But it definitely looks interesting. Yeah, I think it's got potential, so. But, you know, what do I know? So, <laughs> you know, a lot. Don't, <sighs> don't undersell yourself. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, all right. With that said, that uh, will conclude the news. Let's do a little uh, overclocked remix and we can get uh, the show wrapped up here at a somewhat timely fashion. But probably not. Uh, but we still have Netflix Asia. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, overclocked remix, I thought it would only be fitting to pull from a game that Iwata was evolved with. So why not balloon fight? I mean, he was the programmer on that. So um, that's what we went with. Uh, balloon fight again was, oh, let's see, released from, uh, well, it was an arcade game too, but this is, uh, 1985 was released on this uh, Nintendo NES. Our remixer is Jake Kaufman, which we featured on here at least one other time. Our remix is called Ska Poppin. And as always, you can find this one and many others just as good as it, if not better, on uh, ocremix.org. So let's, uh, Let's give him our tribute to Mr. Iwata, and uh, let's play Scop.
Ah, that was an excellent way to um, to remember Mr. Iwata. A very yeah, groovy get, way. Yeah, you get that little ska summary music and yeah. Excellent. Uh, so yes, this week's Netflixation was uh, the crime documentary called The Imposter that Netflix described as this. An investigator sets out to unravel a mystery about a 13-year-old boy who vanishes in Texas only to show up three, three years later in Spain. Let's, uh, let's just get into the five-sentence synopsis. I did try to kind of mitigate the spoilers a, a little bit. I mean, it, it, I only have five sentences, so uh, there's uh, not a whole lot of reason to watch this movie if you already know what's going to happen. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but uh, if you if you haven't watched it yet and you're planning on doing it, I would say just skip the Netflixation, all, Netflixation altogether because um, – I mean, you're you're going to know the ending, just like any movie, but especially one like this. There's not really any point in watching it if you know exactly what happens. So uh, let's get into the <laughs> let's get in the synopsis here, though, so we can all remember what for those of us who did watch it, what we're what we're talking about here. Um, number one, Nicholas Barclay Barclay has gone missing after being told to walk a few miles to get home from playing basketball one seemingly normal day. Number two, we are introduced to Nicholas Barclay's family, most notably his sister and his mother, who I can't remember their names, unfortunately, who talk about Nicholas as they remember him. Number three, we are also introduced to Frederick Bourdine, the imposter of the film, who has concocted a scheme to get himself to America, where he thinks he will be loved and cared for by this grieving family. Number four, Bourdine suspects the family will see through his ploy, but strangely, they seem to accept him into their family, even as he spins tales about where he has been for the last four years. Number five, eventually a private detective brings to light what everyone's thinking. This person is not Nicholas, and it reveals a dark past about Frederick Bourdine and a questionable future for the Barclay family. Now, there is a lot of spacing between everything that I just talked about. Uh, a lot of mystery kind of involved the way that they present it. Uh, so I, I mean, you miss a lot of that if you just heard the, uh, the synopsis. Um, but let's, uh, let's talk about the movie itself. Um, okay. so, uh, let's, let's go a little bit into a little bit more in depth about what happened, because I think it's important to know, um, I don't know. I don't know how you felt about it at first, Jason. Um, it 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 did a good job of uh, getting me into the story and everything. And there was a point where, about halfway through, I was getting kind of like, "Is this is this all there is to the story?" Because I feel like the name just kind of gave everything away. Like, if if that's all they're going to talk about, then. I feel like watching this doesn't really have a, have a point. Like there's no mystery that he's clearly an imposter. Like it's not that kid, obviously. So that wasn't the question of the film or that wasn't like the big reveal of the film or whatever. Uh, did you have like, did you have that feeling too at all? I, I did. I did. And at first I wasn't quite even sure. Like I wasn't sure this was an actual documentary or if it was just filmed to be like a documentary. Oh, okay. You know, so I, I did a little brief reading up on it prior to that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the one thing I had going through my head is I guess, you know, the world was a larger place back then. Yeah. You know, 
the and internet I, wasn't as yeah, prevalent. So all I could think is like, man, why did I not know more about this? Yeah, that's my initial here. thought because I was just like blown away by <laughs> by this just the idea that, that about this, you know? Right. Like, how could you how could you let someone in? I mean, you know, especially if it's your sibling, like or your your son or whatever, you know, you just know. Like, I, I, I don't even feel like I have to explain that for anybody who's ever had a family member, which is basically everyone. Um, so, yeah. like, my question was, like, what, why am I watching this, right? And then things got kind of, like, really interesting towards the last third of the movie, probably. And I'm like, oh, okay, things just got way more interesting for me. Um, and that's kind of like what I'm talking about in the, the, the fifth point of, or the fifth sentence of the synopsis where they talk about this Frederick Bourdain person and like all the shit that he's pulled in his past. Basically, mm-hmm. I don't know. Would you say like, did this 20 times at oh, least yeah, a crazy amount of times. And then even after that, like yeah. he continued to do it even after the events of this film, he posed as, um, a missing child, even though he was like 20 something, uh, you know, numerous times. And when he finally got caught for, he only served six months or six years in jail, which is crazy because it seems, I mean, yeah, he didn't kill anybody or anything, but it just seems very like fraudulent and just very personal of something to do, especially to people who are grieving, thinking, Oh my God, you're my long lost, you know, son or, or brother or whatever. And it turns out that he's just, you know, living off these people or it it never was really clear what his motive was. It just kind of seemed like he was just crazy and was doing it because he, because he didn't feel loved as a kid or something. I don't know. Right. Right. Um, But let's talk about what I liked. Uh, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about the document documentary slash reenactment style, especially like you were saying, it kind of made it hard to determine whether or not it was real or not. At first, um, there was a lot less reenactment than I thought. I wouldn't even say reenactment. That's a pretty strong word. More like it was almost like they used it as B roll as a, as a way of like filling in the fact that they don't have like her actually traveling to Spain. So they had to like reenact it, but it, it doesn't really have any substance. It just sets the tone and gives you something to look at while you're listening to, to these people talk. Uh, they're, they're real people. They're talking about their experiences. Um, so if you're just sitting there watching these people talk, that gets really boring. Um, I, I, I did like it. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And I thought it was really done well in this film in particular. So I, I would be anxious to see more of that kind of style in, in, um, in the documentary uh, genre. So I, I, I thought it was good. Um, the pacing, especially in the second half, when that starts happening, they did a really good job of making it feel mysterious. And you're, you're kind of like, what, what, what's going on at first? It wasn't so much because, you know, we talked about how, well, we know it's an imposter. So what what's the real mystery behind all of this? So Mm. um, but once you got around that and found out that wasn't really the point, then it was it was good. It kept me uh, it kept my attention. I want to know what was going to happen. Who like who's telling the truth here? Um, 
I thought this movie looked really great for being a documentary, especially usually, I mean, most documentaries are pretty much filmed the same way. You just throw some lights up very specific pattern or a very specific configuration and you just film people talking. But um, with the with the reenactments and uh, just the way that they decided to to kind of light these people, it's a very dark um, looking movie, not not in a like noirish type way it just it just had a different texture to it and I, I really appreciated that and the reenactment stuff looked good like it was filmed really well right um it didn't look cheesy or yeah it, like wasn't, it wasn't shot poorly or acted poorly or yeah and, and surprisingly the people that they the actors that they cast looked very similar to the people they were portraying i thought too yeah that was crazy that was yeah they never draw a lot of attention to the reenactment it's more about like the feeling and the emotion behind what's going on as opposed to like you're saying where it's like uh, the cheesy, uh, these are actors, these are not real people. They're reenacting us like you would see on uh, like uh, some new show or something like that. Um, and finally, surprisingly enough, I actually thought the music really fit the the documentary. I thought it was done really well. I, I don't know if it just happened to turn out that way and they just bought it stock from somewhere. Uh, I, I didn't happen to look at the credits or anything, but I thought the music was really fitting for what was happening. And it wasn't, it was what I expected, but it wasn't cheesy either. It was done in a very tasteful way that I thought was kind of cool. Um, yeah. But let's, let's talk about what I disliked. Um, it, it's kind of hard to talk about what you dislike, especially from a story perspective or something like that about a documentary, because you can't really, you can't really judge a real story that happened. You can really only judge the fact that they made it into a documentary in the first place. You know, it's, it's up to them to determine whether or not it's worth making into a documentary. You can't just go in and edit the story because you don't like the way the ending happened or whatever. Um, right. I kind of felt like in the end, the story's twist of, of um, this Bourdain guy being uh, the, this guy who's done this multiple times, that was okay. But I also felt like they were getting at uh, this murder. Like they talked about Bourdain said that the mother admitted to him that, that she and his brother had murdered Nicholas. Yeah. And that comes in really late towards the end. And it it never really pays off at all. Um I oh and this goes into what I another thing I didn't like. The ending of the movie of the documentary made me feel like I was missing something because they're digging up this this private detective decides to go to this the house where they lived at the time uh Nicholas was missing and was going to dig up a possible grave site or something if there was foul play. And they're, they get about, I don't know, like four feet in the ground or something. But I don't know if that was supposed to represent a time after what the words were saying, because they said that the case was unsolved, like because there wasn't enough evidence to support that they there, there might be foul play from the family uh, that it was closed or, or whatever. But right, the right. way that it, the way that it came across, it just didn't really make any sense to me. It seemed very, I don't know, weird. So I felt like I missed something. I felt like I was like they were going to find something and that was going to be the end of the movie. But that would be weird because it's a documentary, a crime documentary of all things. So I don't know. I just it, that just felt weird. What did you think? Did you get that feeling, too? Because 
it was very confusing for me. Yeah, and just like, well, because the way that that private investigator talked about it and then the way that the imposter himself talked about it and things like that, I mean, it really, you're like, what the hell? Because that came out of nowhere. I was like, holy shit. I, I was like, oh, my God, they did kill him. And then it just like, no, there's not enough evidence and things like that. It was just, yeah, it just came up. It They kind of drove that point so abruptly and it just happened so abruptly, you know? Yeah, you're um, just you're just you're expecting a resolution, and then yeah. it really comes. And it was just, uh, I don't know, it, that that was kind of odd in a way. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I I was disappointed at first too when I learned. Like, I I was really hoping that it, I should have known it was someone called the imposter, you know. But I was really hoping it was the boy did show up, you know. I I wanted because I want I want to know about a story or something like that where all of a sudden they find the kid, you know in another country like that. But the fact, the fact that this guy, cause that's all I could think of the whole time too, was like, how could they buy into this? He doesn't, he has a French accent. Well, he he even was saying that he, the whole time he was like, there's no way they're going to buy this. I'm sorry. And you know, it's just like how the, and then like the fact too, I mean, the sister says that, how, what did she say? How could we be so fucking stupid? And it's like, yeah, how could you? Because I think, you know, I think they're blinded by you want so very badly for this to be your son, your brother. You want it so bad yeah. and you'll just, be, you know, people are going to believe it. But I just, man, I, I it blows my mind. And then like, and then when she talks to the, the one girl, you know, tells her, the one woman tells her that, you know, he's, this is not your, your brother. This is a dangerous individual. You need to stay away from him. And she agrees with her on the phone. And then she's there at the airport to pick him up. Yeah. That's the stuff that started making me think that this whole murder thing, because that yeah. was just before that was like they were just about to talk about that whole murder thing. And you're, yeah. you're thinking something weird is happening here then. So you kind of wonder what, you know, what the older like what things would be like if the older brother was around, you know? Yeah. But he unfortunately, um, you know, he died of a, an overdose or whatever. But yeah, it sounded like he had his own problems. Yeah. I if anything. I take away from this. If I take anything away from this, it's that just how easily people in moments of extreme emotion can be, um, can be manipulated. Like you really have to be careful about that. Uh, like you have to have a clear head about these things. And and even like the people who aren't in the family are, are like, I don't feel like it's my place to tell you that that's not, your son or whatever. Like it's a really, there's no book on how to act when something like this happens. You just kind of have to take it as it comes. And you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but, and I mean, you want it to be true because it would make, you know, it's, it's happier that way. But unfortunately, like she said, the, the fact that you ever find a kid after being missing for four years is unlikely. And then to find them in another country is like rare. So you know, there were a lot of warning signs here, but because of the just how fragile the whole thing really is, and there are a lot of emotions being uh, um, playing out that unfortunately it just was able to go on and on and on and on until, mm-hmm. you know, and they didn't really say how I don't feel like I remember them saying how long he lived with them, but it seemed like a while like he was enrolled in school and stuff like that. So um, and then uh, lastly, before I forget. The portrayal of the Barkley family altogether, especially once like you kind of figure out the end, they don't like they don't make them seem 
they don't call them stupid and I don't feel like they were trying to, but I think it could be seen that way. Like, like we're saying, like, I can't believe, you know, they, they were duped by this guy. So I don't know. I just kind of felt like it's unfortunate that, that it happened that way. And I mean, you can't really cover that up. Like, what are you supposed to do? But I don't know why they brought up the whole like murder thing. If there wasn't any, I felt like that could have been done better. Cause now I feel like they actually did it. And I feel like that's the, that's the documentary's fault for making me feel like they're murderers, even though there's no real evidence to support it. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have any substantial evidence towards it, or if there's nothing to to point one way or the other, then I kind of feel like either leave it out or do it in such a way that seems a little bit more unbiased. I, I, I was expecting that they were going to find a dead body, and I still feel that way, even though it ended before they said, oh, we didn't find anything or, or whatever. So I, I just feel like that could have been handled a little bit better. But, you know, it's a documentary, and there's always – I mean, documentaries are made from a specific point of view. The good ones show both point of views um, and are and leave you and leave it up to you to make your own decision. But here I kind of feel like – I feel like they're guilty for some reason, and I don't know why, but uh, I, I just feel like that's the way they were painted. So I think – I think you can probably tell that we were entertained by it. So obviously, uh, was it entertaining? Yes. Yes, it was. Uh, I'm not a huge, like murder mystery, real crime person. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not against it, but I just don't really gravitate towards it. But, uh, I thought it was interesting. Um, and it was kind of a nice, uh, change from, you know, science fiction or, or, uh, action adventure, whatever. So, um, uh, I'm glad that I did it. And I think that I'm, if I find the right documentaries, I might add more into the Netflixation, um, queue, so to speak. Uh, Netflix's guest for us. Uh, I had a 4.5 and I believe you had a four, right, Jason? Yeah, that sounds right. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough one, but I'm going to give it a three and a half. Um, documentaries are really, you know, the end is really like the takeaway is kind of like, how do you feel after you watched it? Right. Um, and to me, I just, I kind of felt like, well, most of it was said in the title. The last little bit was interesting. And the, the Frederick Bourdine guy is interesting, but I don't think that in the end, after all said and done, I was, I was kind of just like, well, that's pretty much what I expected, I guess. Right. Yeah, I I would agree with that statement. That's that's pretty accurate. I feel like I want to go the same way. So, well, there you go. What's the what's the? Are you uh, give me a numerical value? Are you going to go with the three point five? Yeah, I am. Okay. Whoop! There it is. Well, let's talk about next week's Netflixation. Uh, next week's Netflixation is a movie called Boy Meets Girl. It is a romantic comedy. Oh God, man. The very thing they will most is the very thing they're most proud of. Ain't that the truth? Commitment. Dick. I'm not just looking for sex. I want to find love. Maybe I should date girls. I'm a fan. Check one out. See how you like it. See your boyfriend? No. We've been best friends since like first grade. It is clear as day that that boy has a crush on you regardless of what he says. You really shouldn't mess around with her. She has a fiance. Marines are nuts. Are you a virgin too? 
Yeah, with girls. It was just one innocent kiss. Sure it won't happen again. Yeah, I'm sure. But um, just in case it should happen again, is it tight like a Google time. Robbie? Ah, love that bathing suit. Well, I made it actually. That's my real job. I'm a designer. Hopefully I'll be going to fashion school in New York this fall. Kinda waiting to hear back. I know that you've always thought that she didn't um, totally approve. That's something you do well to let go of. It's a man below, but a girl up top, if you get my meaning, sir. Stop calling her that! She is a girl, goddammit! Get that to your thick skull, she is a girl! This is not for everything, and she has a wedding to prepare for. Did you sleep with her? It's none of your business. Don't Keep you walk away off. from me. No matter what we look like or who we are, we're, we're all just stumbling through life trying to figure it out. Yeah, but you know, unlike me, you all have an us to figure it out with. So, Boy Meets Girl, Netflix describes it as this. Ricky, a young transgender woman, seeks romance with Francesca, but may also be falling for her best pal, Robbie. Uh, given given kind of what's been going around in the news lately and everything i feel like this is sort of a sort of a topical thing i mean it i mean it always has been but especially lately so i thought it might be a good time to uh, watch something like this and kind of open our minds a little bit to to um something that we might not all be familiar with so uh this is a movie that i a lot of these people haven't really been in a lot of things uh, it, it almost kind of reminded me maybe made for TV almost type thing. Not, uh, I don't want to say that as a bad thing. It's just like, uh, there's not a lot of star power behind it or anything. Doesn't mean it's going to be terrible or anything. Um, but you may know Michael Welch, uh, who plays Robbie. I'm, I'm going to start doing this too. If I can remember telling you who these people are playing in the movie so that you can kind of connect those things together. Um, yeah. And he's in like all the Twilights. I don't know who he played in them, but basically his entire IMD page, IMDB page was you uh, known for the Twilights. But he's been in a lot of things. Uh, I think he's a TV actor and uh, some of the like smaller roles in movies and stuff from what I could tell. Uh, Michelle Henley, who plays Ricky, uh, new relative newcomer, newcomer hasn't really been in anything. And uh, Alexandra Tertian who plays Francesca and uh, she was in a movie this year called body um, the maladjusted and weirdly uh, was in grand theft auto five and did some like pedestrian voice work or something. I think it said like uh, public city voices or something like that. I don't know. So somehow I always find a way to connect this back to video games. I don't know why, but it just happens. <laughs> uh Netflix's guess for me is a 3.5. So we'll 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 see for um Boy Meets Girl, which is to to be honest, I haven't watched the movie yet, but I kind of feel like it's an awful title, so we'll see. Uh I, I do have one community grab bag uh item to fulfill and this is going out to at Jay's Play Games. I had to make sure to mention hashtag give divas a chance, which I've just done. <laughs> uh, I have fulfilled my end of the yeah, bargain. I've I've fulfilled I've fulfilled my entitlement. Excellent. Um, it is done. That's that's all the grab bag has. So that was quick and easy. And yes, we made it through before our uh, mumble client takes a poop again. It's true. It's true. It really <laughs> is. Just really wants to sabotage <sighs> the show tonight. What, so. what a bother. So, oh, oh bother! If you uh, if you don't 
follow the show and you want to, uh, you can do that at Fluxtapose. If you want to follow either of us for some reason, I am at JW Lacey. That is L-A-C-Y. And Lucas can be found at heavy metal underscore riff. That's right. Because that's all he know. That's all he deals with is heavy metal riffs. That's so. true. I deal in heavy metal riffs. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. I don't know. And that will conclude this episode. Um, yeah, I'm just going to, make my way to the exit before more idiocy begins as you all know that that happens at the end of the show Excellent. so i'll join you <laughs> coming up this month um towards the end of the month we're actually putting together a uh kind of i i, I guess i want to say guests but it's more than one so uh there's a we've, we've talked about the comic shop many times here on the show um the vault of midnight and Grand Rapids originated in Ann Arbor, Michigan. They do a podcast called Super Skull. And uh, yeah, I got at least two of those guys will be coming on to our hair show to talk about, uh, you know, comics, the the shop and all sorts of awesome things. So you'll want to stick around for that. Um, probably like the last Monday of the month we'll be doing that. So something to look forward to. And uh, yeah, beyond that, uh, yeah, we'll have something really cool, I'm sure, for episode 73 next week. So on uh, behalf of myself, and Mr. Lucas Rose. Have a fantastic week, and we'll see you next time. I'm Batman! <laughs> <laughs>